Welcome. This is Britt Hodge with the Good Christian Podcast. Something new today. You know, the Bible says the Lord is doing a new thing. I know the Bible also says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which one is it? It's both. But we're not going to get into that today. I'm here today with my friend from my ministry school in Northern California, Aiden Dollywall. And we met up the other day. We went to a conference in Orlando, Jesus 20. It was amazing. Um, Jesus Image Church put it on. I was going to the airport, and since I don't have a car in Orlando, because I'm in living in California, I had to get dropped off maybe four or five hours early at the airport. And uh, I was just walking through, and uh, I felt a tug on my back or maybe a tap on my shoulder, and I turned around. And it just happened to be Aiden Dollywall, and uh, he was also on the same flight as me. We're about to have an eight-hour layover in Las Vegas. We had four or five hours left to go, so we started talking about this podcast idea, uh, changing it up a little bit. Usually, it's testimonies. Those are amazing and awesome, but I feel like uh, Aiden had a wonderful idea, so I'm going to let him introduce that idea, uh, what we talked about at the airport. How's it going, Aiden? Hey, Britt. Oh, as always, pleasure to be on the podcast. I know we had such fun last time just chatting and having fun and talking about what the Lord has done. So I'm excited to be back for round two. Let's go. Let's go round two. So like I said, we just had a discussion in the airport. We were so tired, by the way. We were in and out of naps. We actually ended up sleeping on the ground at Las Vegas airport and eating (laughs) just uh, the most unhealthy foods because there wasn't much open at midnight, past midnight in the Las Vegas airport. So we had a hilarious time. What an adventure. But um, yeah, don't do one billion fine flights, please. One tip. Don't book a flight with an eight hour layover in Las Vegas. Save yourself the the hassle. (laughs) Yeah, especially if it's after midnight, because you (laughs) think Las Vegas is always open, but the airport is definitely not. So I ended up eating like, you know, a quarter pound of some old pretzels covered in sugar. Auntie Anne's pretzel at 3 a.m. in La Vegas. Oh, that sounds scary. Yeah. We'll never do that again. A two-hour layover max. That's my new rule going into life. But today we're going to talk about apologetics because Aiden's got a lot of good points. A lot of people believe Christians have a blind faith and believe in absolutely anything. Um, I guess based on tradition, um, the Bible plays a role in that some, but a lot of people just assume we have blind faith. And so I just want to start with the soft sell of the actual gospel of what it means. I just want to start off with a little summary. And this is because in my life, this, the gospel before I knew Jesus was real sounded like a fable, like you said earlier, Aiden. So Adam and Eve, they're created. God gives them everything. He gives them authority over everything. The enemy comes, Satan, serpent form fools them into eating from the tree knowledge of good and evil which god told them that's the one thing they can't do don't eat from that tree so they gave their authority to satan in that moment they fell 
And so fast forward all the way through all the prophets, all the kings, judges, all the stories of the Bible to the New Testament, to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Why did he come? Why did a man say he was God, come in the flesh, born of a woman and the spirit of God? Why did he come? Why did he die for us? He came and died to give us back the authority that we gave away in the garden to the enemy. This is called the gospel. This is the good news. Our fallen nature can be resurrected in a sense. Uh, actually, literally, we died with Christ. We're crucified with Christ. We're reconciled back to God. So Jesus came, took lashes. He put on human flesh and took lashes from his own creation. He was crucified and killed by his own creation in our place because we were supposed to die um, because of the perpetual sins of our fathers and, and our and our lineages. But Jesus came and put a stop to that. That's the that's a general summary of the gospel. He rose after three days, and now we can, through belief in him, also rise again and be reconciled back to God. I personally have done this. The fruit is amazing. Being reconciled back to God is much better than not being reconciled to God. But think about this story if you're not a Christian. It sounds far-fetched. It sounds crazy. It sounds like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Um, it sounds like a guy, he said he was God. It's 2,000 years ago. Yeah, those people that lived 2,000 years ago, what do they know? They weren't as technologically as advanced as us. So those are some of the thoughts that I had. I thought religion was a form of control over the minds of men. And in a sense, it, in a lot of places, it has been perverted that way. But we're headed back to a new, a new thing that's also not brand new you know there's nothing new under the sun we're headed back to being focused on jesus and and his resurrection and the gospel and so aiden uh, a student and a, a pastor's son wants to teach us a little bit about apologetics tell us a little bit about that aiden what is apologetics actually and and what why is it necessary do you think yeah wow um well, yeah, I mean, apologetics is simply uh, the the meaning, the definition of it is literally like the justification for something being the way it is. And so just like you were sharing, it's so true. You know, we heard the gospel, we heard what you've just said. And um, immediately my thought is most people are probably asking, great, thanks for sharing that. How do you know that's true? Why is that? Why did that happen? How did that happen? And I heard Eric Johnson, who's the senior pastor of Bethel Church, um, they're about to move on, but he said, um, Generation Z, this generation are leaving the church because they're getting experiences and not answers. And at the end of the day, I love. Matt, if I mean, if most people listening to this will probably be students and other people from home and probably even other people who don't believe in Jesus, you know, think Jesus is moving today. Things are happening. People being saved. There are miracles taking place. Um, but at the end of the day, this gospel is not just a fable. It's not just a story. It's actually strong. It can be tested historically. It's accurate. And so at the end of the day, I've realized most Christians nowadays, a lot of Christians, if people come up to Christians with questions, for example, the Bible, why do you believe it? Why is it accurate? Hasn't it been changed over time? Did Jesus really die, um, raise from the dead? How can you prove that? 
um, all of this, you know, there's been changes over time. Most, most of these statements are very ignorant. Those statements I said, they're ignorant because it's been things that people have just heard from lessons at school or media, but lo- most of those are ignorant and are pretty easy to say, actually, that's not true. The Bible is historically accurate. Jesus did rise from the dead and here's why. But if a lot of people come to Christians, most people won't know how to answer that. And I think that's worrying because in, in this time, as much as we need, um, um, you know, what's happening, we actually need people to actually um, be strong in why they, what they believe and why they believe it. You know, if there's any, any time in the world right now, we need truth and we need people to know truth and people are hungering for the real truth. It's now in this season of crazy um, global pandemic, political division, um, injustices. There's so many things going on and there's a time right now for truth and people are looking for it. And the people who have it need to know why they believe it. Because um, even in 1 Peter three fifteen, it says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. We're not just sharing a defense just to prove that we're right. We're actually showing here's the faith, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and here's the strong foundation that can be held upon it so that you can have belief in it, but have certainty and strength of why you believe in this truth. And so I just want to talk a bit about the uh, one that a lot of people ask and a lot of people come to Christians with, and they say, okay, uh, I love what you're saying, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but hang on a second, all of this is from the Bible, right? The Bible, this writings, hasn't it been changed? How, how, can you, how can you believe the Bible? Hasn't the Bible been changed over time? Like it's not the same as the one that it was originally. Um, and most Christians say, oh, I don't know what to say to that. And we get stuck, but it's, it's crazy. The Bible is so accurate. It's so strong. And I'm going to tell you why, which actually strengthens your faith. Um, and 2 Peter 1, chapter 1 verse 16 the um, Peter's writing and he says for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty wow so Peter's saying we're not just making up writing this story we're not just telling you this nice story we've heard and we're just passing it down to you when we're talking about the gospel the power of Jesus Christ we were there we were there, there were eyewitnesses and eyewitnesses of eyewitnesses that were there and we are now writing and we are passing down the story of Jesus Christ. And even Luke, when he writes his gospel, he starts off um, by saying, uh, basically he's saying um, to the person he's writing to, Theophilus, he's saying, I'm writing an orderly account to you so that you might have certainty of the things which you've seen. In other words, Luke saying, I'm writing an orderly account, not so that you might have blind faith, not so that you believe in Jesus and it's this big fable, it's this big story that has no evidence. No, but that you might have certainty of faith. And so I just want to talk a bit about the Bible today. Come on, we don't talk about it enough. The Bible and why it's reliable when most people say it's been changed over time. And in fact, when you look into this, it's pretty outstanding um, of how accurate and how powerful the Bible is. Yeah, I like to say, it's so interesting to me that most a lot of the New Testament is letters from Paul or Peter uh, to different people because historians 
they can look back in time and they can attribute those letters to someone. I mean, scholars can say with pretty good accuracy who wrote which and when they wrote them uh, based on other accounts, other historical documents, based on the, the Gospels, even the Gospels for a non-believer, a little bit harder to just step in and, and to believe unless you've you know, experienced Jesus or unless you've been given that gift of faith. But letters, you, you can't really dispute these letters. You can dispute who wrote them. Some of them have, have been disputed in that way, but you can't really say, here's, here's a, a random letter from a random person who doesn't really believe what they're saying. So Paul wrote all these letters, and then you hear the story of Paul killing people, persecuting people for the church, and so on. And then you see these letters that he wrote. Obviously, he's been converted. Something had to take place. That's a step in the right direction towards faith for me. When I read these letters, I'm like, oh, wow, Paul held the jacket or the cloaks of those who killed Stephen. And then now he is being persecuted by the same people he was helping out because he had a radical conversion. So that helps me in the faith. And uh, that's always been very interesting to me. So, yeah, if you could just dive into the Bible, the beautiful things you're about to talk about, the power of his might. I'm excited to share this because this always gets me pumped up, not only because it's a defense of what we believe, but when you look at it, it gives you more excitement and strength at what you believe is strong and it's holding under weight. And because at the end of the day, this has eternal consequences. And so it gets me excited. But essentially, the main thing is that most people, many people say, well, I'm a man of science. So this needs to be proven scientifically. Well, that sounds really intelligent about the Bible, but actually that's really silly. <laughs> because at the end of the day, this, to, to make something scientific, the scientific method is that something must be observable, measurable, and repeatable. Well, that's silly because we wouldn't say World War II. I want to be, a, I'm a man of science. I want to know that World War II was proven scientifically. Well, to prove that World War is scientifically according to scientific method, you'd have to say, this must be observable, measurable, and repeatable. <laughs> so you're saying, okay, for World War II to be scientific, it needs to be repeatable. That's not how we measure history. We don't use scientific methods to prove historic events. How do we prove historic events? We do it through like the evidence method, like a courtroom. This asks for the reliability of sources, the corroboration of sources, internal, external evidence that supports these sources, witnesses, something's falsifiable and contradictions. That's how we find if something is historic. And at the end of the day, duh, here we go. The Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the time of other eyewitnesses that report supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and that claim that their writings were divine rather than human in origin. So why is the Bible reliable? Here we go. Obviously, there's the, the, the straight facts, which is, which is it's pretty incredible. Not only is the Bible written over 1,500 years in three different continents, um, three different languages, 40 authors from different walks of life, from kings to tax collectors, given 66 volumes that cover hundreds of subjects. Like, this isn't just a book. This is, this is a, it's like a, 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 a beautiful masterpiece that's been weaved over thousands of years. And what are the odds that 
over 1500 years, all these authors, all these cultures, all these times, all these peoples, all these classes, that they are all adding to the perfect message of Jesus Christ. That's profound to me. That I mean, no other book in history has done that. And what's amazing is not only is the Bible um, like have all those things in place, but it's the most translated book. It's the most um, copied book, the most sold book, the most burned, um, um, the most um, banned and forbidden book. I think that's fascinating. But what's really beautiful, and this is where it gets me to right now, is the Bible. How do we know we've got the original Bible? And it's this manuscript evidence. And most people say um, a lot of different faiths, especially in Islam, they've been taught to believe that the Bible has been changed over time. We don't have the Bible um, that was written at the beginning. And that claim is actually quite ignorant, the claim, because if you actually have done your own research and study, you would never come up with that conclusion. That conclusion has been given to you by someone else and has been um, put into people's heads from other people who obviously have an agenda to say, we don't want you to believe the Bible. And she'll tell you what's incredible. If I said to you, Brit, if I said to you, do you believe um, biographies of Alexander the Great? Do you believe um, um, some of the poet, poetics of Aristotle? Do you believe some of the things of Homer's Iliad? We would say, absolutely. We don't even question that. We have no question to any of those, mess- um, those texts. And um, uh, Alexander the Great, his biography, the earliest copy we have of his um, biography uh, was 400 years after he died. Aristotle, um, some of his poetics, we have about 12 manuscripts. So we have 12 copies of his, some of his original writings. And that was written, um, we have these, the earliest ones of those, a thousand years after he died, after the time. Homer's Iliad, the closest, um, the of we have to lots of manuscripts, 100, 650 manuscripts, Homer's Iliad, 2,100 years after the time of Homer. And we don't question that. We would say, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, we, we believe exactly about the life of Alexander the Great. We read Aristotle's poetics. We don't question what it says and why it says it. But listen to this. The Bible, all of a sudden, no, 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 the Bible's been changed over time. The Bible has 2,500 manuscripts that come into 99.9% accuracy. In other words, we have 2,500 manuscripts that we can compare to the Bible we have now to look to see if there are any changes, any changes in meaning. And you can look at the manuscript evidence and there is literally 99.9% accuracy. And the other things are literally like um, ish, um, slips of the pen or ch- uh, changes in um, literally word like instead of a person, uh, the person or something like that. And we have some of these manuscripts as early as 120 AD. In other words, um, around 60 or so years after Jesus. Many people say that's not impressive. 60 years, that's too long. Well, then you don't know anything about ancient writings because there's not many ancient writings where copies, uh, you will find original copies 60 years after the person uh, who's died. And I think that is honestly phenomenal that they're literally um, 
there's that, that's 2,500 copies that come into 99.9%, but we have thousands more. We have literally 6,000 or so copies of the entire New Testament that are ancient and available to us now, and they read the same today. No doctrine of the faith has been affected. The average gap between original composition uh, of a book is around 1,000 years. The Bible, 250 years. It's phenomenal. It's so powerful. And, what, and there's just so many things. Like, for example, people say, um, how about the things in the Bible? You know, haven't they? Some things haven't been there, you know, like certain locations or certain places. Well, there have been over 25,000 archaeological digs that have been directly related to the subject matter of the Bible. Not one of them have proved any contradictions, but have just gone and furtherly confirmed things in the Bible. And I think that is just so profound in that we are literally more capable today than ever at translating the Bible, more capable than ever. So right now it'd be easy today. Most people say, oh, thousands of copies. That means it's going to be, there's got to be changes. That makes it less reliable. In fact, it makes it more reliable because we've got thousands of copies. We're like, here we go. Let's find the issues. And we don't find any issues because it's in 99.9% historical accuracy. We can look at the manuscripts we have then and the Bible we have now. And um, we can see that the Bible says today what it says in the original. So when people say, oh, I just can't believe that. I just can't believe that. Well, then you can't believe anything written in any book because those who discard the Bible as historically untrustworthy must realize that that same standard would force them to eliminate almost all of ancient literature. In other words, most of the time when people say, I just can't believe the Bible. In other words, they're saying, I don't want to believe the Bible. And that's what it comes down to. We have it all here. But at the end of the day, it's very humbling. It's very humbling to say after all of this, especially from different uh, religions or different backgrounds, or when you've had things in your life where people have hurt you, and people have misrepresented God to you, or you've lost a loved one and you said, God, how, how can you be good and this happened? And you turn away from God. It's very humbling to say, you know what? I don't want to believe this. It challenges everything I am, but it I have to go with what is true and what I'm seeing in front of me because it takes more faith to not believe in Jesus than it does to believe in Jesus. And I think this is why it's so powerful, Britt. This is why it's so powerful is that at the end of the day, this is where I'm going to transition a bit. The end of the day, this is why I've banked my whole life on this thing. This is why I've banked my life on Jesus. Shall I tell you why? Because I've come from a background where we weren't Christians, our family before. My dad was the first one who became a Christian from it, from the Sikh religion. And I love my family. My family, um, a lot of them are still um, in the Sikh religion and they're some of the kindest, most generous, most loving people. I love my family deeply. Um, and there's many of the, the Sikh religion um, what it stands for is actually really wonderful, really beautiful, to love people, to bring um, equality and to bring, um, to bring hope and love for all people. It's beautiful. But this is why I've banked my faith on Jesus. This is why I've given my whole life to Jesus. Because if this Bible, if this Bible 
is historically accurate. If this Bible is like a textbook, like if we treat it like any other textbook and we come in like a humble, objective investigator, which is taking evidence, which is taking what we are seeing and investigating it humbly without any bias, without any agenda, not trying to prove it wrong, not trying to come with our own view. If we treat it like a textbook and this Bible is the word of God. It, it is what it says it is. The things happen that said it happened and it's true and it's reliable and we can see it today. If that is the case, then there was a person called Jesus Christ. There was a man called Jesus who walked to this earth, but not only walked this earth, he's fulfilled prophecies from 500 years before in, um, um, 600 years before in the book of Isaiah, thousand years before in, um, in the Psalms. Uh, when they talk about the coming Messiah, what he would be like, how he would lead, how he would die. This same Jesus fulfills these prophecies in the same book. We're reading the same book, the Bible, that can be historically proven. In the same book, we're finding the prophecies that were written a thousand years before. In the same book, we're finding Jesus who walks the earth, who fulfills the prophecies. Then the same Jesus is born of a virgin. He comes into the world. He grows up. As a man, he comes, he's the Messiah, he does signs and wonders, he heals the sick, he raises the dead, he casts out demons, he shows us what God is like, he gives us a revelation of the good God, the Father. He comes, he dies on a cross, and then this is where it gets crazy, Brit, because if this same Jesus, um, he not only he rose from the dead in three days, but shall I tell you what's crazier than this? Because if we're treating this book this Bible, like a historical textbook. What is crazy is that not only did Jesus rise from the dead after three days, shall I tell you what's cooler and crazier than rising from the dead in three days? It's saying that you're going to rise from the dead in three days. Jesus said that he was going to rise from the dead in three days, and then he went and did it. How crazy is that? He went and died on a cross and he rose from the dead and he said he was going to do it. So this is why I've given my whole life to this thing. Because if I'm going to bank my eternity on something, this same Jesus who did the things I said, said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, there's not a million ways to get to God. You can't call my telephone, Brit, through seven million different numbers. I've got one number. I've got one phone number. And that's how you get to my telephone. Jesus is saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the God. To get to God, you come through the one avenue, the way, Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth, the truth not a truth, the truth. I am the life. So if I'm going to bank my eternity, because Jesus talks about heaven and hell. He talks about where we're going after this life. He talks about the life we can live now. If I'm going to bank my eternity on someone, I'm going to bank tr my truth on someone. I'm going to bank um, what, um, what the meaning of life is, where I'm going after death, what the mission of, of, of God is. I'm going to bank it on this Jesus. Who, who, who lived, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, who said he was going to rose from the dead, who showed us the Father. I'm banking it on that. I'm not going to bank it on an ancient Eastern religion that has uh, religions that don't have manuscript evidence 
that don't have writings that have writings thousands of years later where things have been changed or things have been altered or where there's no historical evidence. But not only that, where there's no power today, where people are being saved today, where people are being healed today, where people's lives are being changed today. I'm going to bank my eternity on, on Jesus Christ. And that's why I've given everything for this, because it takes more faith to believe it in something else than it does to believe in Jesus Christ, Brit. And so that is why the Bible adds strength to the gospel of Jesus. And so, uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, we're preaching. Shall I go ahead and just... Yeah, you're preaching. It sounds good. I was just going to play the devil's advocate, as they say, just for oh. a bit, and say, as far as manuscripts go, this is what I'm thinking while you're talking. This is how I used to think. And... Um, so some people will say, okay, you say the Bible's true, say it's historically accurate. Mm. You compare it to Alexander the Great. But as far as I know, in Alexander the Great's biography, no one's raising from the dead. No one's casting out demons. Are demons even real today? Are demons, you know, mostly in the, in the Western world, I know you're talking about the Eastern world earlier. In the Western world, miracles are what debunk the gospel for a lot of people. You don't see people... Uh, getting prayed over and being cured of leprosy. Uh, leprosy doesn't exist anymore, but but those types of things, you don't see people raising from the dead or hear about it on the media. So how can you reconcile apologetics with the supernatural? Is there a way, or would you rather teach apologetics and start off on apologetics, and then as your faith builds, you'll come into the understanding or the belief that miracles are actually true? <laughs> No, that's a great point. And I think this this podcast is different because people who know me, not only do I love apologetics like this, but man, um, at the end of the day, Jesus says, and he says in John 14, uh, he says, uh, the works that I do, you will do, and greater works that I will do, that I go to the Father. So not only do I believe in the strength of the gospel, people who know me, we need the power of God. We need signs and wonders and miracles. God is still moving today. God is not finished moving in power. God is not finished um, um, raising people from the dead. God is not finished healing people. God is not finished doing these things. And so I just want to say this podcast is in context of a different um, avenue that we've been going down today. And it's not at all discrediting um, the power of the Holy Spirit and the signs and wonders. We need both. And if you know me, I love both. And your question is great. And what I love is that your phrase said, um, in one of your phrases, you said, the media, <laughs> the media is not showing us the miracles. The media is not showing us. They're not presenting the signs and wonders. And what I would say to that is simply this. Yeah, of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, especially if you don't believe, if, you're, if you already have a conscience that is saying, I don't want to believe this, I'm fine, trying to find ways while this isn't true. Obviously, believing in signs and wonders is going to be hard for you. But at the end of the day, are you, to, if you come as a humble, objective investigator to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the signs and wonders, I can guarantee you, you will find you will find scientifically proven miracles. You'll find scientifically proven healings. But you've got, you've got to look for them. If you're doing nothing to look for the evidence of what God is doing today, not doing anything, looking for what he's, what's not happening, 
and feeding your own bias. Of course, you're not going to find anything. But to the same degree, here we go, to the same degree that we've got miracles in the Bible, we can just look at historical documents from the past 150 years. Hey, remember, miracles didn't stop in the Bible. If it did, we'd have nothing else. But we can look at historical documents from the past 150 years, which are even, you could say, are even more accurate because they were just not too long ago. And we still have the documents of God still moving today. We look at revivalists in the 20th century, such as John G. Lake, such as Smith Wigglesworth, Catherine Coleman, Oral Roberts, A.A. Allen, Jack Coe. We look at all of these revivalists. We say and see not even in the past 100 years, miracles taking place, people being healed, people being delivered. And these aren't just nice fables. We're talking about scientifically proven documents that have said that someone had, um, you know, um, a cancer and had certain amount to live and then came and was prayed for and God and he was healed by the power of God and uh, came back and the cancer was in there. That's another story and another podcast, which has a million different avenues we could go down after that. But the basis is even in the past hundred years and even today, if you want to humbly come and see, is God moving today? Are people being healed today? Are people being delivered today? Are people being, um, having their lives transformed today. If you come humbly, there are many reports from different, um, not only you can look at churches who have um, corroborated with um, scientific, um, like um, have scientific reports and have made documentaries. There's, there's, there's lots of outlets out there which would show, uh, which would help um, and strengthen and justify the case that God is still moving today and miracles are happening. But if you don't want to see it, if you've already said in your mind, I do not want to choose to believe it, you're not going to find it. But if you humbly come, you'll realize there's God today who's moving in the earth and is backing up the word that he said 2,000 years ago, which was, the works that I do, you will do also, and greater works. Not necessarily quality in, in terms of better miracles in Jesus, but greater works in more quantity because I've gone to my Father. Why? Because the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus is now in millions of Christians around the world to demonstrate like Jesus who represented the father. We have the Holy spirit to demonstrate to this world that there is a good father who loves, who, who, who has loved you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross. So that's what I'd say. The miracles. Yeah, that was a great answer. I, I just had to ask because that's, I came as a skeptic and, uh, and as a, analytical logical person uh to the scriptures and, and it was always dumb to me that people would believe in miracles until i encountered jesus but i'm always <laughs> reminded of like the the people there's people out there who have sought evidence like you uh from a skeptical and a logical point of view though like there's a philosopher educated in the uk uh Derek prince mm. he began researching all the religions, all their writings and everything from a philosophical standpoint to see what was the meaning of life. And through his research, he found, um, he found that the Bible and that Jesus and God and, and the Holy Spirit were the most accurate and true versions. And, and that began his journey. He became one of the greatest preachers ever. 
There's another French preacher from Las Vegas. I forget his name, Jean-Claude something. And uh, he started the same way. He was very skeptical. So he started researching evidence just like mm -hmm. you did, uh, but from a skeptical point of view. And he could not, he said he could not come away from that evidence and not know that what the Bible said was true. So I believe apologetics is your foot in the door and then believing in miracles and signs and all that comes later. But Absolutely. is a great way to start for, for any of the skeptics, any of the logical people or the analytical or those that just don't want to be fooled. It comes from a heart of, I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to be wrong. But what if you're wrong in the other direction? You know, you're betting your whole eternity that the Bible's not true or you're betting that it is true. You either believe in Jesus or you don't. But like you said earlier, it takes much more faith to not believe in Jesus than it does to believe in Jesus once the evidence has been investigated. Wow. Yeah, so. Yeah, no, I think it's it's so true. And and we come in, we're passionate, and we, sh we share, and we preach. Um, but at the end of the day, you know what? I love, like, there might be people listening today and you have questions. I love it. It's good that we have questions. I, I, we've grown up in a society that says if you have questions, um, we got to be opposed, we got to disagree, we got to have all these things. But you know, at the end of the day, I love when we have questions because at the end of the day, like we're trying to, we're, we're banking on eternity here. We're banking on Jesus talking about eternity, talking about um, the meaning of life, purpose of life. And uh, I love, I love having questions, but I always refer people to. It's such a beautiful um, a bio, a biography, autobiography, man teaching, a man called Lee Strobel. He um, has a book and a message called The Case for Christ. And he's a, he was an analytical news journalist for the, in Chicago, total atheist. Um, and he went on a journey to disprove Christianity. I think I can't remember the exact story, but he went on a journey to disprove Christianity. And he said, I'm going to go on a mission as a, um, a journalist to, to crack the code once and for all to say, Jesus didn't raise from the dead. The Bible wasn't true. He didn't really die on a cross. And he came out. Uh, he was an atheist who did everything he could to disprove Jesus. And he came out for, uh, looking strongly uh, as a humble, um, objective investigator and came out believing in Jesus Christ, saying, he said this after his big journey, and he was a big atheist. He said, based on historical data, it would take more faith to maintain atheism than to become a follower of Jesus. And so I think that is the beautiful thing, is that at the end of the day, it, it, is very, it's, it takes humility. It takes humility to say, you know, um, in the midst of all that's going on, in the midst of all the bias and the things we've heard, especially about Christianity, to say, you know what? I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And even I feel like people are going to listen to this today, listen to this one day, this podcast, and they, if you've come this far, wow, man, I don't believe anything's by accident. God says in his word, it says um, in Jeremiah chapter one, it says, before, I, before you were born, I knew you, I formed you in your mother's womb and it's not even an accident if someone's got this far on the podcast and doesn't believe in jesus and i want to say to you my friend this is the gospel of jesus the gospel of jesus is that god wants a relationship with you he designed the world for a relationship not for a religion 
not so that people could come to church and sing songs on Sunday. He wants a relationship with you. He designed you so that your purpose of life would be to know God and to be, to be loved by God and to love God. That was your purpose of life. But sin, the things we've done wrong, have separated us from God because God's perfect. God's holy. If he was to see the bad things we do and just allow it to happen, it would compromise who he is as a, as a just, holy, perfect God. So the things we've done wrong separate us from him. Break that connection, that relationship that we have from him. And this is what's crazy, my friend. This is why God is so loving. And this is why I've banked my whole thing on this in the midst of other religions that you could go to. This God, remember, he wants relationship with us. The things that we've done wrong have separated us from him, separated that connection, broke that connection. In other words, the standard to get to God is perfection. And we couldn't attain it. And this is the beautiful thing of the gospel, in that because we couldn't attain perfection, we couldn't be perfect in God's eyes to have that relationship with him. God loved you so much that he said the only way that they can attain perfection is that if I come as a man and fulfill the standard and pay the price for their things that they have done wrong, their sin. Jesus loves you. God loves you so much that he came himself. He came into the world. He came, not only fulfilled all the historical prophecies and the things we're talking about apologetics, but for a minute for love, he came. He came into this world. He died on a cross. God paid the price for the things you've done wrong. He lived perfectly. He lived holy. He took on the punishment for the things you've done wrong, the fines for your crime, the punishment for your crime. He took it on himself. Wow, what a love. What a love. What other God, what other person has done this for you, shown such love that he would die he didn't even deserve it. The one person who didn't deserve death in the whole of humanity took death for you because he loves you. What a love. Wow. Tell me anyone else who's done that for you. This God died on a cross. Then he rose from the dead to show that he was who he said he was. And he went into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, to say to you, now, this is how you can have a relationship with God. This is how you can have eternal life. This is how you can have what it was all about, to know God, to be with God. One day when this life ends, to be with him forever, to be in eternity with God, in heaven, not in separation, in hell. No one has to go to hell. No one has to go to hell when there's a free gift of salvation. To know God, to be with him in eternity. But not only that, to have God, Jesus says that when you believe in him, that he and the Father would make his home inside of you, that Jesus would come and live in you, give you peace, give you true hope, give you the source of life, that he would fill you with the Holy Spirit, that you would know God, that you could have a relationship with him now and advance his kingdom now, the most fulfilling thing. How do you have that? Jesus said, if you would believe in me, if you believe in Jesus, that he is the savior of the world, that he is God, that he died on a cross, and you turn away, you repent, you turn away, change the way you think 
about the things you've done wrong and say, I'm going to leave this life of selfish living, of living for myself, of, of living, the, uh, living in a lifestyle of doing things wrong, but I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. You can be saved. You can have eternal life. What a beautiful gift that you can have. And I feel that there's people listening today. And if you're listening and you've heard this and you say, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to put my faith in this loving God who loves me, who has a plan for my life, that actually loves me beyond any other person, any other God. But not only that, is held on a source of a scripture, of scriptures that can be historically tested. If you want to say, I want to put my faith in Jesus, all you have to do is say, you know what? Come to Jesus humbly, wherever you are. Just close your eyes. And you can just say to the Lord, you can just say, Jesus, because he's here, he's with us now. You can just say, Jesus, wow. Jesus Christ, thank you for showing me what God is like. Thank you that you came, that you are God, that you died on the cross, that you died on the cross to take on the punishment for the things I've done wrong to restore the connection between me and God again that might have relationship with him. And Jesus, I trust that you, God, you died on the cross. You rose from the dead on the third day. And I turn away. I say sorry for the things I've done wrong. I say sorry for the lifestyle of, of sin and selfish living. I say sorry. I turn away from that and I put my trust in you. Holy Spirit. Come and live inside of me. Come and fill me and come and show me the way to live life. Yeah. And if you say that to the Lord, if you say that, come humbly, then Jesus says you will be saved. You will have eternal life. What a beautiful gift that it is. And this is why we do what we do. This is why me and Britt do what we do to see people come to know this loving God, to have eternal life, to find purpose, to find peace, but also to walk in eternal life forever, which is possibly the greatest thing. Yeah. Thank you, Aiden. That was good. Um, yeah, our purpose for being alive, like Aiden said, is to be in a relationship with the Lord, but a wonderful a wonderful hobby and side note is to partner with the Lord and bring people to Christ. It's the most fun thing. It fills you with purpose. And I was lacking purpose for so long. So the gospel is, is batting a thousand in my life. It, it has never done anything less than hit a home run in every single aspect of my life. It's given me purpose. It's given me hope. It's given me an amazing community here. It's given me a future, all things that the Bible promises are coming true. That's one thing that I can look at the Bible and say, this is an accurate book because no, no other religion can make promises and keep them. No other God can make promises and keep them. But if you come after God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of the Bible, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the sender of the Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our salvation, it's just a down payment, some say, for our eternal salvation. Those are what God calls himself in his word, but he makes promises too. 
Jesus said that he came to give life and life abundant. Test that out. Check that out. Come to Jesus and see if your life goes from darkness, from death to light. It's a promise of the Bible. Uh, He has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. That's biblical. That's a promise. Come to Jesus and see if that comes true in your life. Test the promises. Check the promises. That's another way to check and, and to verify that the Bible's accurate. You can do all the scientific studies you want, and it's amazing, and that's a step in the right direction for the logical mind, but have the courage. It takes courage to step out and to test these promises. It takes courage, actually, to choose Jesus whenever your heart doesn't want to be fooled or you don't want to look like uh, someone who believes in the archaic principles of, of a bygone era. Test it out. Test the promises. Look at the proclamations. Look at the prophecies. Go through it. It's amazing. And I have no doubt that if you do those things, like Aiden said, with a humble heart, that you will come to know the one that we know. It's amazing. And also, I know this is the end, Aiden, but I'm going to, whenever I post this, obviously I'm going to tag Aiden. And if you want to check, I know he listed uh, Lee Strobel's Case for Christ. Amazing. Um, But like they said on Reading Rainbow, I don't know if any of y'all are old enough to remember this show, Reading Rainbow. But he would always present a book and then he'd say, it's an amazing book, but don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Aiden's word for it. Don't yeah. take Lee Strobel's word for it. Actually, come with a humble heart and just research these things on your own. And I will uh, tag Aiden. And, and if you have any questions about his sources or whatnot, then you can get a hold of him like that. Do you have anything to add, Aiden, before the end? Yeah, I just want to, yeah, of course, just want to say, yeah, thanks, Britt, for having me on. I just think it's so wonderful what you're doing, just bringing the experiences of other people and the breakthrough of other people and opening up a platform for people to hear what God is doing. I just want to say, if anyone's listening today, I just want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time to listen to two uh, crazy people (laughs) talking about Jesus. But yeah, I just want to say thanks so much for listening. And man, to, to, to have an intimate relationship with God deeply in this time of craziness. What a beautiful thing. And so, yeah, thanks for listening. It's been a beautiful opportunity and hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, and thank you, Aiden, for this idea. Thanks for waking up so early on a day off during our vacation time to get up and to share your heart on this issue. I, I appreciate it. Oh. 4 a.m., Britt. I can't believe you made me get up at 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> 4 a.m. Well, it's time to go rest now. So thank you for listening. Like Aiden said, it's been wonderful. I'll probably have him back. It's always fun. Thanks for having the idea. This was actually Aiden's idea. So thank you and goodbye. And I love you and I don't even know who you are. Bye. I don't know your hand leading me I don't know if I would stay without your love anchoring each day cause I am wild at heart I need your love to chase me from the start oh I am wild at heart I need your love to chase me from the start